You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Michael Curland is the author of the Moriarty Mysteries. He's also the author of science fiction, fantasy, and nonfiction. Thank you for joining me, Michael. My pleasure. Michael, uh, one of the things that struck me about your work that you read today was that the past and antiquarian scenes are really good settings for fantasy elements in fiction. Well, they are, and I have actually written fantasies uh, that, that are, have that sort of feel to them. Uh, Randall Garrett, an old friend of mine, wrote some Lord Darcy stories, and I continued them, and they take place in an alternate universe where it is always, I suppose, 1492 or something like that. It's, um, so, yeah, you're right. Uh, tell me about, I, I really liked your, your uh, introduction to, to the collection of stories where you, talk, where you essentially asserted that all fiction is fantasy. Well, I honestly believe that all fiction is fantasy because none of it happened. It's it's it, by definition fiction. It, it started because of two irritations. One is, first of all, I love it when I go into a store and discover that I'm in the fiction section and usually further down the mystery section or the S and F section, and someone else is in the literature section. You know, and I, I find that distinction to be uh, painful. When you're writing your work. How do you know whether or not you're going to include some kind of specific element of the fantastic uh, ghost or something that we, that we generally associate with, with work, that, with literature of the fantastic? I never do know. It just happens. I believe that most writing is done by the unconscious mind, and it just feeds the information to the conscious, and the conscious writes it down. So I've many times had the experience where I will get to a point in a book and suddenly I will discover that the next thing that's going to happen was something I had, did not expect. It just comes out and there it is. Usually if I'm writing a straight mystery, it will not have an overtly fantasy element. I mean, it has to kind of start with some fantastic element for me to continue it that way. Now, um, one of the things that, that I, I liked about the, the mystery we heard tonight was the really careful language, the, the way the language cleaved to the time. And, and could you talk about creating that kind of language? That's not easy, is it? Well, no, it isn't. But uh, the secret is to read an awful lot of books from that period and to write six or seven novels set. And by that time, you've got it set and you know what you're writing. And, of course, there's always the person who will afterwards say, well, it was pretty good, except that you said that such and such happened. And, and uh, my favorite example of that is when in one of the Hornblower books, remember the Hornblower books? The, uh, uh, I was talking to a man that, that I'm telling him how much I loved them. And he said, oh, he couldn't get anything right. Why in Ship of the Line, he has them fire a cannon with a lanyard in 1792. And everybody knows the lanyard didn't come in until 1803. And it was the everybody knows that got me. And I, I've... In my life, in my writing, dealt with many. Everybody knows people, so it, you know. But that's the best example I know of. Everybody knows the lanyard didn't. When you're writing these kind of uh, period books, could you talk about the? You you presumably write the book, but do you go back and fact check yourself and, and uh, make sure you know revise your book based on your own research after the fact? Sometimes, but basically my theory is that my book is a fantasy creation in my world and anything I write in it is accurate and true. 
I will try to get basic facts right, like if I have Queen Victoria in it, I will make her appropriate to whatever year it is and, you know, and, and things of that nature. Uh, this story, for example, um, uh, one of the characters in it is uh, her grandson. And uh, I made very careful to make sure that he was alive and around because he died young. So I made very careful to make sure he was alive and around at the year I picked to write, you know, for the story to take place because that's just too wrong if I get it wrong. Could you talk about writing a series of books? Do you keep a Bible for, for your series so that you know where you've been, so that your own fantasies don't contradict one another? Of course not. Oh, God, Conan Doyle didn't do it. I mean, one time he called Watson James instead of John. and, and uh, I mean, He must have got thousands of letters for that. But, uh, but no, I, I, I try to remember what I wrote, and if, if it matters... Well, things like Moriarty's address. I do keep notes about things like that, so I always have him living in the same place unless I say that he moved. But basically, no, I, I, don't, I don't strive for continuity. I, try, I strive for, for interesting story. Let's get back to this introduction, because one of the things I liked, and I found in common but in the introduction and in your fiction, is you have a great sense of humor. Oh, uh, don't think so. I, I, I just talk, and, you know, that's what comes out. I don't know. I, I, I don't mean to be funny. Just, just. I mean, people laugh at me, and I don't know why they're laughing. I, I Could you talk about uh, bringing a sense of humor into something like a mystery? It can sometimes be a little bit dangerous. Well, there's a lot of humorous mysteries written, but especially when you've got a period piece, uh, how do you balance that to make sure that the reader's laughing with you and not at you? I guess uh, I... I it comes out that way. I, I mean, it's like there are some writers who deliberately write humorous mysteries. I don't. I write a serious mystery. I just happen to have a weird mind. So it comes out that way. I think that the humor is is a part of the story, but it doesn't conflict. I never write anything that's material in the story to be humorous. I don't have funny killers, for example. I think that, that life and death are too important to to, you know, kid around with that. But the things people, in real life, people are funny. And I happen to see it, that's all. I think that my, w- w- the way I usually describe it is when I knew I was going to be an author, which was about the age of eight, I decided to be a writer. I thought I was going to be Dostoevsky, and instead I turned out to be Mark Twain. That's, you know, that's what happened. Not, not a bad, uh, not a bad uh, flip, though. Oh, no, no, he's one of my heroes. It always has been. He and Kipling, but I'm not Kipling. I'm not... I noticed in your introduction, and I know this about you, that you write in pretty much every genre, with the exception of one genre, which is a literary fiction. So tell us about, and I have to say, you have kind of maybe a bit of a bee in your bonnet about literary fiction. So tell me about that. I have written literary fiction. I, I, I just, I, I, what I object to is the, uh, the categorizing of it, that's all. Besides, it's literary fiction is what the bookstore owner calls what he puts on that shelf, you know. But I've written what what is what would be called mainstream fiction. I have a book called The Last President, which did fairly well. Which is a, it's a thriller, but it's a mainstream book. It's not a mystery book. When you're writing your books, do you think about oh, this is this this is going to be shelved here in the bookstore, this is going to be shelved there, or do you just uh, spit it out and and uh, let it fall where it may? I think that when I'm writing a book, I know what the book is going to be, but I'm not writing it because it's going to be that. In other words, I don't consciously say, uh, this is going to be shelved under the B list under this. Under, I, when I'm writing the Moriarty's 
they are, for example, that's what they are. They're Moriarty's. They have to be mysteries. They have to include Professor Moriarty. And somewhere lurking in the darkness is Sherlock Holmes. And that's how it defines itself. Now, when you set out to write these Moriarty books, that must have been kind of a challenge. Did you, like, worry about you were going to upset the uh, Sherlockians? When I first started writing, uh, I, I was invited to a Sherlockian dinner here in the city, here in, in, in San Francisco, and I, it was much like this. I had, it was the first book, but I hadn't finished it, so I was reading from the manuscript, and they had invited me to read it, and right before I was supposed to speak, a man got up and gave a long talk about how all of these imitators of Sherlock Holmes should be taken out and shot. And it was absolutely wrong for anybody to try to do a pastiche. And here is Michael Curland, who's going to read his pastiche of Sherlock Holmes. I, I thought I'd been set up. But I read it. I, I read uh, a couple of chapters of it, and I got vast applause, and people stood up. So I figured I must be doing something right. And I explained to them, I don't consider this a pastiche of Sherlock Holmes. It isn't. What it is is a novel set in the world of Sherlock Holmes using different characters. Although Holmes occasionally appears, he's not a main character in any of the books. And Moriarty in, is only in two Sherlock Holmes stories. So I've created a Moriarty that didn't exist in the Sherlock Holmes universe. Tell us a little bit about exploring this universe. This must be kind of fun, especially since you are so familiar with both the fantastic and uh, non-fantastic uh, genres of literature. Well, you start off as uh, you start off with the world of Sherlock Holmes, and then you close your eyes and think about what you can do in it. And that's uh, that's uh, the first one, for example, takes place largely in Istanbul, uh, and uh, which, as far as I know, uh, uh, Conan Doyle never had anything take place in. But I was fascinated, and it has a submarine in it, which uh, Conan Doyle never had. So that's kind of the reason. That's what happened. You're going steampunk on us. Before steampunk ever existed, I'd like to say I invented the genre and I wish that somebody would send me the royalties. That's the <laughs> I've been speaking with Michael Curlin. His forthcoming book in the Moriarty series is, do you have a title yet? Yeah, it's going to be called uh, uh, Who Thinks Evil? Thank you for joining me, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.